AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 22nd, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm a year older, Scott Long. I was going to sing the song because I did some research today. Uh Uh-oh. And it said that in 2015, a U.S. District or Court or Appeals Court said uh, that the song didn't rightfully get passed down to Warner Music or whatever or sold to the rights. They've been charging for the copyrights of that song for years uh, illegally. And so you're now allowed, it's in the public domain, you're allowed to sing it without getting any trouble. So I thought about singing to you today. But then I said, uh, I don't want to lose any more listeners than we already have. So, yeah. Well, I'd only allow you to do it if you're going to play the piano, too. So. <laughs> I got it. I got the piano in the back. <laughs> I've done it. But happy birthday, buddy. You're old. Yes, I am very old. Yes. Uh, you're 47? No, 46. 46? 47. 47, yeah. Oh, uh, man. Six. Yep. You're old. Yep. Couldn't even get out of bed today. Solely with Shirley earning those gray hairs that are on your head now. <laughs> Those gray hairs have been there for 20-something years. I know. It's crazy. You're like the one person that I always talk about when they're like, people are like, oh, look, you're finally getting gray hair. I'm like, you should see my business partner. He's been gray for 20-something years. It's great. <laughs> It'll never fall out, though. That's what they keep telling Yeah, me. yeah, that's true. You're going to have a head full of hair when you're rotting in the ground. <laughs> this is such a cheery show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Let's cheer everybody up and tell them where you're going. All right, well, I'm going to be celebrating my birthday in Phoenix, all right, just outside Phoenix, because the Annie Up Spring Poker Classic at Gila River Hotels and Casinos, Vaquiva, uh kicks off on Saturday, Yay. and I will be getting there late that uh, that evening and be there for the whole rest of the event. So come out and see me and um, play a lot of pokers, 10 events from a lots of different disciplines. We've never had a um, schedule this varied. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's awesome. It's an awesome schedule. And uh, it's going to end uh, with a four-flight, $360 buy-in main event. And, of course, that means if you win that, you will be on the cover of Antietam Magazine, and you will be playing in the Antietam World Championship later this year. And for all the information, schedule, structures, all that kind of stuff, go to antietammagazine.com slash Gila River, and Gila is G-I-L-A. That was awesome. You read that really well. Well, good. It must be because you're getting up there in your age of wisdom. <laughs> I love this next item though. This next item, uh not in love, but just karma and justice and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I was when I was writing and I was like, oh boy. Uh is it I'm gonna resist the urge to laugh because it's it's <laughs> a guy died and a whole lot of people probably got really scared watching it, but you're as you mentioned, it is a karma kind of thing, right? Yeah, street so. justice. All right, two hours. After, um, two hours. Two, <laughs> two, two hours. Even, even more involved. 
Uh, two years after successfully sticking up the cage in Bellagio's poker room, Michael Cohen, and no, not that one, <laughs> uh, robbed the same cage again on Friday night. Uh, but this time, he had a hard time finding a car to steal from the valet area and was shot dead by police who just happened to be in the area looking for a missing girl. So, Wow. Uh, so lots of stuff about this. So one, I mean, we uh, it's not to be confused with the uh, uh, the person who took off on the motorcycle right. three or four years ago, which right. is why I thought we were solid. So that, that was a different one. Yeah. But this was two years ago, and they had never identified that he was the guy. So to <laughs> to his somewhat credit, uh, he was able to pull off a robbery in a casino, which we've always said is the stupidest thing to do unless you're George Clooney, right? Yes. There's cameras everywhere. Not only that, but people. I mean, gosh, I'm just thinking about how frustrated I get walking to the bathroom in a Vegas casino. With people, like, cutting you off and yeah. machines over there, yeah. trying to figure how to get to the food court. <laughs> it is not where I would uh, – I'm not going to do a robbery, but I would certainly not pick that. So this guy gets away with it, and and they can't find him. And then he gets ballsy enough to go back and try it again, and just like the whole, everything that could go wrong for him did. Return to the scene of the crime. I kept waiting to hear Berlin's take my breath away in the background as the guy was being shot and throwing the the cash and coins all over the place. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Uh, I know Berlin. It's the, it's the Clooney movie. The, the, they talk oh! about the, the, the three guys who almost robbed the casino from the Ocean series. And then yeah. the last minute, the guy's coming out of Caesars with a handful of dough, and then he gets shot in the back, and he throws the money up in the air like a snowfall, and it comes raining down and whatever. And, and that song's in the background. Take my breath up. Oh, see, I sang anyway on the show. See, damn it, it got me to sing. No piano, though. No piano, sorry. Um, so a couple a couple of things about this other than that that I think is pretty striking. One, um, there are a lot of pros in the room this time and last time. Mm-hmm. I think they said last time Doyle Brunson said there was two hundred thousand bucks on the table in the in Bobby's room, and the guy didn't go for that. He went to the cage, um, and uh, they didn't say how much he got that time. This time I think he said it was thirty six thousand or something like that. So, wow. uh, but uh, there were people that said you couldn't even tell it was being robbed. So. It, 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 at least it wasn't scary in the poker room. Now, obviously, when he gets outside by the valet and you're already probably a little freaked out because you're seeing a bunch of cops there not knowing what they're doing, and then this guy comes out and they sh- he shot one of the cops who hit uh, his vest, so he was fine, and then they shot back in the head and killed him. I'm like, geez, I'm just, I, I can't even imagine witnessing this. I and know, I know. Wow. Um, and the other thing, too, is that a lot of the... Um, a lot of the comments, too, were that the Bellagio handled the situation very well um, and not turning it into a panic scene and anything like that. So kudos to Bellagio for, for doing that. But, wow, I mean, I just uh, – some things just boggle the mind, don't they? Yeah, it's it's this is the type of stuff when you're watching movies, you're like, that doesn't happen. But it does happen. Stuff like this does happen. It's just that it's 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 few and far between. Um, but when it does happen, I mean, this this is right out of a movie right here. This is crazy. Getting shot in the head, you know, and kudos to the police for, you know, for for doing the right thing and, and, and taking this guy down. And, oh, and he shot at a cop. So that must have been bizarre, that whole scene, how that happened. Because the guy comes out of that place looking for a car to steal, and then there's a cop there, and he just shoots the cop. I mean, this guy obviously was truly desperate. There's no way you return to the scene of the crime like that to do the exact same crime uh, and expect to get away with it. 
uh, and th- obviously something wrong with him as well. There was something mentally wrong with this guy, I think. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. <sighs> uh, all right. Well, we mentioned last week that maybe this week we would have the Global Poker Award nominees announced, and uh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so the nominees for the first Global Poker Awards have been announced, and Antiup, um, not among them again, Chris. Sorry. Hey, that's shocking. Uh, but congrats to our Wisconsin ambassador Chad Holloway and his uh, LFG podcast for being one of the nominees for best podcast the awards uh, as we mentioned last week will be broadcast live on Poker Go on April 5th and there's still a chance you'll hear Annie Epps name as the charity initiative is an award again this year it'll be decided by the jury panel so we'll see what happens not hold my breath but we'll yeah I'm not holding my breath I, I just think that we are no longer on their radar because of the fact that we you know, cater to players like me and you, and yep. it's there's no there's no glory in in you know in our magazine with them that they think if you're not playing for millions of dollars and on TV and you know and you you, you don't know everybody if you're not all there writing about them and talking about them and hanging out with them then they're gonna look they're gonna look past you so uh, I'm fine with that you know we we set out to do what we we're doing and we're happy with what we're doing and I'm not gonna change our magazine or a business plan just so I get an award that means nothing to me so um, but I, I looked at the, the and, and there's the other thing too is you can see how you know how far removed I am from from some of this stuff oh, it's yeah. like Absolutely. I didn't even know there were enough streamers and vloggers that they need to have of a year awards given to them you know and uh it's just crazy yeah. how far you know, and some of these things, a lot of these names, never even heard of them. Most yeah. of these names, never even a lot heard of them. them haven't. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that that was the. I mean, this particularly when I was doing the uh, our nominees, I was like, I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> just out of it, and um, you know, again, I, and we talk about this probably every year that that we're getting farther removed from from the pros, but I don't think we ever were that close to it. So, and as you mentioned, our mission's always been. Idiots like us, so um, and I'm very happy with that, as you are, and so it, it, it's. Just, I, I don't think I want to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who all these people are that I don't know because they're they're not our market and never are going to be market. So. No, and it, and they don't consider us their market. So you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of nice and an honor to be uh, somebody on the panel or something or whatever they where they put us. But at this point, it's like you know. Hey, I'm fine with being in our own our own world and then being in their own bubble and whatever. I mean, you know, like we when we first started the show, we were just being kind of fooling around, having fun, talking about the people on TV. That was most most of our content was dominated in the beginning shows with what was on television because poker was always on television. But then we sort of realized that it wasn't about that, and that's when we started. To, but even then, we still would get somebody to interview on the show every once in a while. That was a big time pro, and it was a big honor and all that. And then. When the magazine first started, we kind of had big-time pros for interviews in the back of the magazine. But, yeah, now we've we've just uh, said, hey, you know, it's more important to just spend more of that space toward the people who really matter to us, the people in our local rooms, and, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't want to dwell on it any longer, but uh, uh, I'm very happy uh, for Chad and his podcast. And since we couldn't take it down, I hope he does. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, look at the other ones. I'm like, I don't have a have a dog in a fight on a lot of these. I mean, obviously, I 
I think Matt Savage does more for the game than anyone out there. So he's up for industry person again, which I think he's won that a couple of times, as he should have. Um, and then the one thing I'll mention, the tournament director, though, Paul Campbell from the REI, folks um, may not know this. I mean, I, obviously, a lot of players do and a lot of the pros do, but he's really the architect of the big blind Annie. He was the one that did it first and then really passionately pleaded for it at the Poker TDA. And it seemed like such a foreign concept at the time. And now every single player I talk to um, does not like to play a tournament unless they use the big blind Annie. So that was a pretty big deal um, over the past year. So. Yeah, and they have they have a huge series out there too that he's in charge of, and uh, he's doing some really good things out there. So I agree. I think uh, this could be his year. Um, um, and the other thing too is the um, the moment of the year I thought was an interesting one. And again, you know, I I when I was doing the voting there, there's obviously more of those to go through than what the nominees are. But it was a tough one. Um, and uh, you know, so you have Joe uh, Cotta winning. Um, the World Series closer. Um, after he jumps in it right after he finishes fifth in the main event, and then goes and wins that. I mean, another one of the um, the possible ones was him making fifth in the main event after winning the main event a couple years ago. That was pretty incredible too. I think so. That yes. didn't make uh, Doyle Brunson playing in his his last World Series a poker event. Everybody remembers that. I think that we talked about that a lot on the show, which I think is kind of what when you're looking for moment of the year, it's what what were you talking about during the year, right? Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Justin Bonomo and the um, the big one for the one drop. That was such an incredible um, event as well, too. So, you know, I don't know if simply winning a tournament is good enough, even if it is an amazing tournament. But uh, that's going to be a tough one, I think, for the jury uh, to go through all that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there are going to be very few moments for Doyle Brunson to be, have celebrated anymore. So this could be the sort of... You know, they give the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award to the guy who never won the Actors Award, you know, or whatever. And this could be one of those moments where, hey, we're not going to have any more times to talk about Doyle Brunson uh, from a poker playing standpoint. Uh, sentimentality, too. People may put him there. And, I mean, I would give it to him. These other ones are nice moments, but really the greatest player of all time is saying goodbye at an amazing age, an amazing run. He probably wins. I mean, Justin Bonomo's streak is phenomenal. They might be taking all of those collective wins that he had, those high roller ones, and then putting yeah. them together. So, you know, Cata's story is, is very interesting uh, moment. And that other, the other one about that guy getting the pass, that was, that was sweet. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to predict Brunson wins. Um, I don't know. They, people get to be sentimental when it gets to that kind of stuff. And nothing more sentimental than the greatest player of all time stepping down for the last time. So... Right. Well, I'm hoping we get the charitable initiative. I think that uh, it's not how much you give; it's who you're giving to, you know, how you're doing it, and who you're getting involved. And think about how many people are coming together, how many bodies are bringing in stuff to help other bodies. You know, to me, I think our charitable initiative should take get a serious look, and uh, should should be at least be at least listed. Yeah, I was gonna say that I, I just I would like for it to be at least in the consideration. Again, we don't do it for awards, right? Um, but you know, seeing some of the finalists in the past, um, you know, or one day charity events with a big pro, you know, not diminishing that. I mean, pros don't have to do charity events, casinos don't have to do charity events, so that's great. But um, 
that's pretty standard, I think. I think what we do is very unique, and um, and the way we do it is very unique, and um, obviously the impact is is incredible. So, so as long as we're long as long as we're in that conversation, and we'll never know whether we're in that conversation, but um, uh, as long as we're in that conversation, then then I'd be satisfied. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. So good luck to everybody, and I'm sure we'll update it when like we always do <laughs> when it moves to another step. Uh, Annie Updates, our 2019 Annie Up Poco Cruise schedule includes an eight-night Southern Caribbean adventure and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. Also, Annie Up has partnered with TeePublic to open an online storefront where you can get Annie Up logoed merch. Uh, visit tpublic.com slash stores slash anti-up. That's dash, not slash up. You can just get it through our website. Uh, check out T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop, laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie at Magazine, Annie at PokerCast, or Annie at PokerTour logos. And uh, Scott says we'll be rolling out new unique designs soon, but he's been saying that uh, for months. I'm looking at about 60 of them that I've already done. Yay! Not lying. I've done at least 60. They're pretty cool, um, but there's more that I want to get done, and I'm going to give them all to you and let you tell me which ones you like. So, Yay! Uh, I'm literally looking at them on my desk. Now, of course, I'm going to be traveling for the next month, so it's not going to be until I get back. But I, I, I promise to... you, progress is being made. I love that I get to be the decider. <laughs> Uh, you know, and so uh, you're going to be traveling and getting drunk on your birthday, so I'll probably see those in what, uh, July, August? Uh, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. what I figured. Hey, have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing $1, $2, PLO in our regular home game. The action has been as usual. Some good PLO players, some converted Hold'em players. We know these players well. The game is seven-handed. The blinds post, and we are under the gun with 375 and the king of spades, queen of diamonds, queen of clubs, jack of diamonds. We are going to make our standard raise to $6. The MP and hijack fold, but the cutoff calls. The button who is a solid PLO player, bumps it up to $20. He started the hand with 500 The blinds fold. We call, as does the cutoff. The pot is at $63, and the flop is the king of diamonds, jack of spades, ten of hearts. We flopped top two pair on a very straightening board. We're going to check here to see what transpires behind us. The cutoff checks, but the button makes a pot-sized bet. This might be my first mistake in the hand, but we make the call. The cutoff folds. The pot is now at 189, and the turn is the nine of diamonds. We've made a king high straight with a redraw to the second nut flush or a straight flush, but that's still a lot of second best hands. We again check. The button again bets pot, 189. So, we've got a little bit of a decision here. We have 292 left with the second nut hand. What's the move? Hey, this is A.J. Benzing. This is Justin Bonomo. This is downtown Chad Brown. Hi, this is Clooney Gallon. This is Daniel Negreanu. Hey, this is David Singer. This is Linda Johnson. Hi, this is Greg Raymer. Hi, this is Hoyt Corkins. Hi, this is Cindy Violet. Hi, this is John D'Agostino. This is Joe Seabot. This is Jennifer Harmon. Yeah, this is Johnny Chan. This is Cowboy Kenna James. Hi, this is Mark Safe. This is Paul Wasserkin. Hi, this is Miami Johnson. This is Noah Brunson, and you're listening to Annie Up. It's time for the AdvancedPokerTrading.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. 
If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And I can't wait for this pollen to leave. Oh, oh I know. It's driving me crazy. I'm I, I, allergy pill this morning. I'm trouble talking. This you is know, absolutely more. absolutely the longest I have taken an allergy pill in my life. I mean, it's, it's going on almost on a month now. It's yeah. crazy. Every single day. Oh, yep. It drives me crazy. All right. Well, Dr. Frank is in the house. Maybe he can tell me how I can get rid of this. <laughs> <laughs> Snipples. <laughs> um, all right, uh, he's got a pretty large setup here, but he's Dr. Frank, so we're going to let him, we're going to give him some room to... Well, that's why I went talk. fast through the beginning of the show, because we knew this was going to take a while. And we... <laughs> All right, he was playing in day 1A of the Annie Up Poker Tour main event at Silk Poker in Tampa Bay this last month. Uh, entry fee is $250. Starting stack is 25000 with 30-minute blinds, and if you make it to level 14 or, one, or win 10% of the field remains, you tag and bag and move on to day two. I was sitting at a 10-handed table with three pros. Uh, to my immediate left is a WPT Deep Stack champ, and to his immediate left is another pro with $225,000 in live earnings. And then there's Frank hanging out there. All right. <laughs> uh, these two guys have been hyper-aggressive, and they have monster stacks. Across the table is a third pro with a playing card tattooed on his arm. I feel like if I can survive this table, it will be solid proof that poker is purely a game of luck. Oh, come on, Frank, don't well, I think none of these guys is involved in this hand. It's at the very end of level eight, only six more levels to go, and the blinds are 400 800 with an 800 big blind ante. I built my stack up from 25000 to 41000 with tight but aggressive play, uh, but then I opened and raised a few mediocre hands out of position. Don't do this, kids, he says. And got pushed off my hand, so I was back down to squiggly 24000 when the villain arrived at the table and sat down to my immediate right. I played at cash games with him a few times before. He's overly jovial and laughs constantly whether he wins or loses. He seems to have a lot of money because when he's losing, he frequently rebuys and makes it rain $100 bills like R. Kelly at a strip club. Oof. Uh, he aggressively plays any two cards and doesn't back down easily. Uh, I've seen him lose big pots of junk, then laugh, rebuy, and continue aggressively playing any two cards. I like playing against him because I, sometimes I can pick up huge pots, but his laughing drives me nuts. Uh, sometimes I prefer quiet sour pusses like me. So. <laughs> so this is a rebuy event? No. Or he's just seen this guy do it before? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I think he says he's played with him before. It's so probably in cash games. Yeah, I was going to say, all right, yeah, I was going to say, because I didn't think our main event was up. Okay, go ahead. No. Uh, I don't think the villain is actually a pro, but he knew the other three pros at the table by name. So now we're on to the hand, right? So got the setup. Yay. Uh, Frank is in the big blind, and uh, after posting the 800 Andy, the villain who was in the small blind, and I had identical stacks of 24,000. Wow. Uh, so that's 30 big blinds each. It folded around to the villain who completed the 800. Uh, he says this was a little unusual for him. I felt that with any reasonable hand, he would raise. It was on me, owning the ace of diamonds, eight of diamonds. Oh. Okay, well, this is very interesting because obviously in most situations against any random hand behind you when it folds around, you're probably leading them with ace-eight. But he did make the comment that it was unusual, that the guy normally would raise pretty much with any hand. The fact that he didn't raise with the hand could make it suspicious, um, or it could be that it's so crappy he doesn't want to risk any more chips, but he doesn't want to give up a hand either against you since... Uh, he probably thinks he's better than you. Um, I don't know. I Sometimes I like to just check behind and disguise the size, the strength of this. I mean, it's 
you know, it's it's no one's going to put you on ace eight if you don't raise, but they might put you on ace eight if you do raise. Uh, now you're going to have position on them anyway. Yeah, I know. Let's put more money in the middle and whatever. <laughs> but in this case, I think that you can completely fool this player by not raising here, and he's never going to put you on an ace because he's going to think an ace would definitely raise. So there's that whole misdirection there. It's not really level five or anything, but it's something to maybe go on and not risk. You know, I don't like to go broke in an unraised pot, as Doyle Brunson would say, and since he's going to have moment of the year, I figure I should quote him. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I could I could see raising, but again, it's not a wheel hand, and it's not a Broadway hand, so it's not a great hand either. And since you're a little suspicious of this guy, I might just check behind. Yeah, I think that's that's the best way to play it. I think um, you're right. Now it disguises the hand a little bit. Um, now, as you mentioned, it's a little unusual for this player not to raise some small blind. A little unusual for anybody not to raise some small blinds. So. It's possible that he has a hand too. So yeah. this is where it gets really difficult. These blind versus blind hands really um, suck, I think, because of that. Um, you just don't have a lot of information. So you now it's yeah. They make your tournament. You. I mean, basically, that's what, when I sit down in a tournament. I look to my left and I look to my right, and I realize I'm going to be playing the most hands today with these two people, probably. Right. And yeah. how I dominate them or how they dominate me is how my day is going to go. So it's always Excellent tricky. Point. Yep. You know, let's see what happens here. All right. Um, uh, Frank says, normally I'm ace-eight suited, but with everyone else out of the hand, I felt my hand was considerably stronger than a random hand, so I raised 2.5x to 2,000, and we're called. Okay. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I could defend either way here, because, you know, you do have a, a, a that's a decent hand, heads up, um, in position, so um, you get a little bit more information by doing that, because now the guy called, he didn't re-raise, so if he was sitting on a monster, he probably would have re-raised, so um, but, uh, there's a lot of hands he's calling with to have his beat right now too, I think. Well, not a lot, but enough that I'm going to be a little worried. Um, but I guess we'll have to see what happens now uh, at the flop. So if, if I were to venture a guess, and again, I don't have this hand, I'm assuming Frank sent it to you. So I don't, I don't get to see the hands. Um, but I have a, this weird feeling that this guy is calling, he's going to check on the flop, no matter what the flop is, Frank's going to miss the flop or hit it modestly, feel obligated to bet, then this guy's going to make a move on Frank, thinking about how tight Frank's been playing most of the day, and try to steal it from him, and then put us in a position, or something like that. Something like that's going to happen. Because that's this, how I would play it here if I was this him. Is, yeah, this is almost always how these hands go, you know, especially when he calls along. You know, if he, if he didn't have a hand, he'd have been like, ah, I tried to get in for 400, I didn't get in, I'm folding. But now he's calling because he's going to try to outplay Frank. So if this guy's going to make a move on Frank at some point, I think. It's not going to be just down at the end where he bets and that's it. I feel like that's how it's going to go. Just just putting it out there. I'm probably wrong, but I don't know. I just feel like that's how it's going to go. So I would have checked behind, but we'll see. All right. Flop is the eight of clubs, four of spades, deuce of diamonds, and the villain leads out for 2,500. Yeah. When we hit it modestly, we hit top pair. It's not a great pair because the guy could easily have nines. Um, but now this is interesting. You do have a backdoor nut flush draw, and you have top pair, top kicker. So I don't know. It could be this guy's trying to steal it. It could be the movie's trying to make. Um, it's going to be hard for him to put you on an eight. He's going to think you have something like ace or you know some other kind of ace maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I... 
I'm not in the mood to. The guy bet how much? Uh, Twenty five hundred. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make it seventy five hundred, now you've already committed a thirty year stack. You know, if you're going to raise him, so then it's like the shove. I mean, you're not. It's not fifty percent, but still, it's you got two more streets. So, you know, I don't know. I I think this is this is the call scenario here. I think I would just call and control the bot <laughs> a little bit. You know, th- this is one of those situations that you really, um, I think you could learn a lot by throwing it in advanced poker trainings, uh, little combat things, and keep doing it. Because this is where you make a lot of mistakes in, in, in tournament poker, I think. You're both sitting over 30 big blinds, uh, which seems like a lot at the beginning hand. But I promise you, at the end of the hand, somebody's going to think it's not enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you you don't have the information that you need because it's blind versus blind, so anybody can have anything here. And now you don't know whether somebody just goes to the, the the most macho person here or whether you're actually got cards, right? So um, normally I'd be ecstatic that uh, I hit top hair on this board with my eight, and this board doesn't seem to have anything else uh, that makes sense. But you know he. We could probably take away some two pair hands here because he's probably not going to call our raise. That was one of the one of the pieces of information we probably got by raising that we wouldn't have got had we played it the way you and I would have. Um, but yeah, you're right. This could be nines, tens, something like that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know where we are. So here's the thing. Now, so if we raise, as you mentioned, now we're now we're getting close to that committed part. We're not yet, but we raise and he calls. Uh, we still got two more streets of betting going on here. And if we call, it's almost the same way. So, But I'm wondering if we call here. Now we've only put 4,500 in. Um, so we still got a stack of 20,000. Um, and then just see what happens. You know, maybe he's maybe he's trying to see whether how, how interested we are in this pot. And if we call, then he's going to know we had some interest. So if he doesn't have anything, then... He might slow down on the turn, and that would be great, I think, if we can get a free card out of this. Um, so I don't know. Um, wow. That's the thing, though. If if he does check on the turn, I think you have to bet. Yeah, because you don't want to give him a free card. That's the thing, yeah. Right, and and you're to follow your train of thought earlier, he's trying to gauge if we have a hand. Now we call. Now he's afraid. Now we're saying, yes, we have a hand, and we bet. So unless it's something yeah. scary, yeah. like a king or a queen or something – you know, then I'm going to put the hammer down and bet the turn. So it's interesting. I, I just don't know. I don't think a sh- because he's suspicious of this guy, I wouldn't just shove here. I mean, I would probably just call or I wouldn't raise either. So I think I'm just going to call and see one more street. And if I get this feeling that this guy trapped us, I'll let it go. I still got 20 grand and it's only 800 big blinds. So let's call. I wonder if a min raise, this is, you know, you don't normally do min raises. Um, you shouldn't, at least. Uh, I wonder if this is a situation where you, where you min raise. Because uh, if he's got nothing, uh, he's probably not going to be inclined to call under 2,500. Um, but a min raise, maybe that gets him to check on the turn, and then you can make a smaller bet. Yeah, boy. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like the min raise. I, I just want to call and see it in the card. A min raise now opens up the betting again, and now we've wasted five grand. You know, I mean, it's just it just seems like if this guy now says, "Yep, I got you trapped, and you think you're good," I'm shoving on you. Now you've put five grand plus two seven. You put seven grand in this pot with top pair, top kicker, and you're going to fold it. 
and it just seems like it's a waste. I don't want to open the betting up again. I'm I'm going to try to see this, what this guy meant. I don't get more information out of him by min-raising than if I just call and see what he does on the next well, street, right? You're probably right on that. I would say, though, I wouldn't mind reopening. If I min-raised here and he re-raised me, then I, it's an, that's an easy fold for me at that point then. Okay. Unless you're just – that's the thing, though. See, a lot of people try to get cute with the min-raise. You know what I mean? And then he knows you're getting cute. He's playing you now and not the car. It's it, it's interesting. It's a real difficult situation. Now. Right. That's what I'm saying. This, this whole hand is on feel, which is really difficult. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I'd rather put 5000 in now than lose my whole stack, um, which is probably going – Somebody's going to lose their stack on this hand, I think, right? Because it's hand of the week, and yeah, it might be not, not as deep as we think we are. Um, but uh, here's the other thing, though: is I, I don't know what card I want to see come now. I mean, an ace or an eight, obviously, would be phenomenal. But I don't want to be hoping for those cards, right? But if a nine, ten, jack, queen, or a king comes, now my hand isn't. I, I don't know. How well, well I don't know which of those cards is helping my opponent. Yeah, I know. And all of them could. And and then if you get something less than that, now you're into some kind of straight possibilities, which, you know, again, you know, it's a blind versus blind, so maybe somebody got frisky with uh like a five six or something like that. Um or a three five. I mean imagine if you had three five and an ace came, ugh. That'd be brutal. Here's what I want to see. One, I don't think the guy has that crap of a hand. But two, I want to see any diamond. If I see a diamond in the turn, I'm getting no. really bold. So that's the card I want as a diamond. Okay. I, don't, I don't even care what rank it is. Right, right. Right, right just a diamond. So I, that's why I want to call, too. I don't want to give up that chance of seeing a diamond on the turn. So I'm gonna. I'm just going to call. I'm not going to raise. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give up that shot of getting that free, basically a cheap card for that turn, and then I pick up the diamonds. Now, whatever happens on the turn, I'm in control, I think. I feel much more emboldened by a diamond on that turn. So let's just yeah. call his bet. <laughs> uh, all right. Frank says, it was typical for this guy to lead out into me even if he had nothing. I had top pair, top kicker with a backdoor nut, flush draw on a dry board. I put him on a random eight or nothing, so I raised the 6,000. And he calls. Yeah, that's not good. See that for all the reasons we already said, why wow, we weren't going to do that. I mean, it would have been nice to have that information that the guy would have bet out no matter what. But again, it's interesting to me how people know all this information by about somebody at the four hundred, eight hundred level. I mean, you get there pretty quickly, right? Well, 30, he, Thirty minutes. But he, remember, he says he played with this guy a lot before. So yeah, I guess. Um, but if I had known that information beforehand, I might have thought differently. But I still don't think I'm raising. Uh, <laughs> If we're raising because we we we've seen them bet into us with nothing before, this goes back to my min raise. That would that would be that would lend some credence to my raise then, because now you're only wasting or not wasting, you're only risking twenty five hundred to get the same result. You yeah, know, if he's yeah. not there, he's not going to call that right. Now he raised the six thousand and um and he called. So now that means he has to have something, right? So yeah. so we got information, but it costs us a lot. And we don't know what that information is, to be honest. You know. Yep. Yep. Very interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have. I really don't know if I would have made that raise, even 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 knowing that this guy bets out with nothing. We were suspicious of him. You know. I, here's the deal, and this is why. And I say this often, but you can't go into this hand and say this guy does these things, so I'm going to play this <sighs> way. 
on one part of the hand, and then the other part of the hand, you say he's doing it completely differently than he normally does it, and then play, you know what I mean? So in the beginning of this hand, we said, he's suspicious of this guy just limping, because he never does that. But now, we're going to settle in and say, oh, th- he always bets with nothing into me when, when, the, when, you know what I mean? So now you can't go back to his baseline when it suits you, this guy is playing the hand differently than he normally plays a hand, according to the beginning of this description of this player. So now all of a sudden he's playing it the way he always does. So it's confusing to me. You you can't have it both ways here. So it, if the fact that he bet into you is something that he would do when he doesn't have anything, then maybe he's playing this hand differently because at the beginning of the hand you said he would not have played it this way normally. He would raise from a small blind. So your suspicion at the beginning of the hand should carry throughout why aren't we suspicious of this bet? We should be suspicious of that bet because we were suspicious of the limp. So the fact that he bet out means that he probably has you beat. I'm just saying, it's not that he does. And at the end of the hand, he can win the whole thing. And Frank won the tournament. Who knows? He's not on our cover, so he didn't. But um, <laughs> in this case, it's just this guy's telling you a story, and you're telling us the story that he's not playing it the way he normally does. And yet now, for the reason of your raise, you're going back to, hey, he normally does this all the time, so I'm going to raise him. Well, a minute ago you told me he doesn't normally do things this way. I think this guy has a hand now. I think we're screwed. So I'm going to call this raise. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be, be sad that he called this raise, um, but I'm going to be careful on the next street. All right. Um... Uh, so there's 10,800 in the pot, and then each player has 16,000 left behind. Ugh. Turn is the tray of diamonds. So our board now, eight of clubs, four of spades, two of diamonds, tray of diamonds. That's a and great he, card. He goes all in. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not folding now. I, I'm sorry. I, that, even if I'm beat, that's a great card. That's a wheel card for us. We can win with a five. That's a nut flush card for us, and it's still under our eight. This guy's got us beat. We have outs, so I'm not full. I'm not getting away from this hand now. I, I just can't. There's no way I'm folding. You know, I know it's a $250 tournament, and that's really not that big of a deal. Frank enters these amount of tournaments all the time, so I can't let this hand go. I got top pair, top kicker, wheel draw, nut flush draw, and the pot's big enough, and I'm going to be able to make a big dent in this tournament if I'm right. If I'm wrong, eh, you know, it's another day at the office. You know, Frank plays these a lot, so. Uh, I can't let this hand go now. There's no way. It's exactly the card we were hoping for, really. Yeah. Other yeah, than an eight. It's too much equity in there now to to, to be scared of. Yeah, there's, there's point, twenty so. basically twenty seven thousand in the pot. We have sixteen. I mean, yeah, you're not getting a great amount, but you don't need a great amount for the amount of outs he has. So I'm I'm inclined to call here and hope for the best. And there are some hands that we already have beat that I think could play it the way our opponent is too. I mean Pocket sevens. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, even pocket fives might might be as bold as he was here. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there is a chance that we're not behind here, um, which would be great as well too. So. Yeah, could be eight nine. Could be eight nine. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It could be right, right. It could be really any eight would play this as the same way because yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, Frank says uh, I have top pair, top kicker, and nut flush draw and a wheel draw. If I was behind, I figure my outs were any diamond, any five, and maybe any ace or eight. If I fold here, the next level is five hundred, one thousand with a one thousand ante. I'd have sixteen big blinds left to be in fold or shove mode. So I call. Yeah, yeah. I don't fault him for that at all. 
He turns over eight four offsuit. Oof. For two pair, the river was a trace, and my eights and trace lost his eights and fours, and I was out. Uh, Frank says, I guess I won't make the cover, but I'll, maybe I'll make the show. But yes, you made the show, Frank. Wow, that's brutal. Um, and that's interesting that he came along with an 8-4 lawsuit. Um, well, again, I mean, this is why it's tough in the blind. So, you know, Frank, in hindsight, did the right thing by raising the, the fold out the bad hands. But this guy either had a read on Frank or wasn't worried that his hand was terrible enough to, to call that pre-flop raise. Um, and then, of course, he got re- the, the most amazing reward you could. <laughs> you know, flop top two pair with 8-4. How often does that happen? I know. Um, and then you get a guy raising you, and at that point, you have to you have to feel that you're the best hand there, and of course you were. Um, um, but uh, the one thing I think is interesting, though, is that he, he led into us on the flop. Yeah, he's hoping we have a hand there. You know, he, he's hoping that the reason, because Frank is pretty tight aggressive, right? So he's hoping we have something like, like Kings or something. He's hoping we have an overpair because if Frank is tight aggressive and he's got a chance to see a free card, instead he raises, this guy is saying, okay, this guy's pretty tight. Normally he's going to raise with a decent hand. Hopefully he's got a pair. And then when he hits his 8-4, he's like, hopefully this guy's got a pair over my 8-4. And I'm gonna get all his chips. So he bets into you because that's what you're supposed to do when you hit two pair like that. And a guy—that's another Doyle Brunson thing. When you hit two pair like that, and this guy is supposed to have a hand, you bet into him because he's supposed to raise you back. The interesting thing is that he just calls our raise, right? Is that what happened? We, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying on that, but I'm like, uh, I, you know, that we we have to assume that this flop didn't hit Frank, so. I mean, I would, I'd be inclined to check. He's probably going to make a C bet anyhow, right? Call that, and then give him an opportunity to hit something on the turn. Now, obviously, if he has a high pocket pair. I don't want him to, you know, hit a set. But if Frank has something like Ace Ten, Ace, any of the Aces, right? I, I want him to hit a card and feel like that that he's as strong as we felt here by hitting the top pair, right? So I don't know if I want to essentially scare him away. For that twenty five hundred dollar bet, but I think he's just taking a flyer, hoping that the, that Frank was playing to his his normal baseline of being a tight aggressive player, and that the fact that Frank could have gotten a free flop and chose not to and chose to bet means that he had a hand to this guy. So this guy's thinking he's probably got a hand that's over eights. That's what he's. Pro- I'm just saying. I, I, that's yeah. what I'm, yeah. I'm trying to read into this guy, thinking, okay, hey, this guy's probably got tens or better. If I bet into him, he's going to be like, oh, i got a better hand than top pair eights. I'm going to shove on him, and then he's going to have you with two pair. I think that's what he's hoping for. This guy's trying to hit home run every time he plays a hand, it seems like. Um, and that and that's worked out. 8-4. Eight, 8-4, four. Eight, four, he limps along and then calls a raise with it and then bets into you. I knew you, you I knew he was beat, not because it was hand of the week, but just by the way this guy was doing things differently. And I just, you just knew he was beat. Um, terrible. I, I never thought it was that hand, though. You know, I thought it was a, a maybe a nines or something, but wow, eight four. That's pathetic. Not pathetic, but sad. <laughs> yeah, that is sad. Uh, well, yeah. hey Frank, thanks for playing in our Andy Pokator event. Very much appreciate that, and uh, you made the show. Yeah, and he played one of the early flights, so he could have 
He could have played again if he was really that upset. <laughs> That's true. He might. He might. He might have too. You never know. He, he, we haven't heard back from him. He might say, "Okay, this happened the second time I played." So, never know. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Log. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.